We are walking through the Gospel of Luke, and we're in the third section of the book, and it actually is a whole section of Jesus with his friends. And they are walking on the road from, um, from Galilee to Jerusalem. And the whole section has this theme of Jesus' teaching and his training. What is Jesus telling his disciples while he is on the road with them to Jerusalem? And while they're on the road, Jesus decides to make a detour, which every good road trip needs at least one solid detour. Jesus decides to go to some of his very best friend's house. And that's where we're gonna pick up the story, Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Early on in my marriage, my wife, whose name is Lisa, she banned me from going to the grocery store. I had a really terrible habit of missing the very thing she sent me to get and picking up a bunch of stuff that we didn't need. Anybody that type of shopper? I would go and I would come back. I'd be like, Lisa, you're not going to believe it. I got some frozen ribs that were on sale. I picked up some chips. I thought we might enjoy some ice cream and some soda and the frozen pizzas or buy one, get one free. And she'd be like, where's the milk? <laughs> the milk? <laughs> Who cares about the milk? <laughs> Look at all this other stuff that I got. But when my wife went to the grocery store, she had a singular focus. I am going to buy the milk. I'm not gonna be distracted by the shiny things at the checkout line. I'm not gonna be distracted by the buy one, get one free or the sale section. I am going for one purpose and I'm gonna fulfill that purpose. She isn't distracted by all the good things because she's there to get the main thing. Essentially, that's what the story we just read is about. It's about two sisters. Mary and Martha. Martha is distracted by the many things. Mary is focused on the one thing. And the consequences of where they put their focus is immense. The consequences of where we put our focus is immense. The setting of this story is important. You have two sisters having a friend over for dinner. And this should strike us as a bit odd as we're reading the Gospels, because in the Gospels, most of the scenes are big, dramatic moments. Jesus just raised somebody from the dead. Jesus just cast out a demon. He gave sight to a blind man, and everybody's like, wow, amazing. In this story, we get a glimpse into the mundane, the ordinary, everyday moments of life. Two sisters having a friend over for dinner. It is in the mundane areas of our life where the priorities really matter. It is in the everyday, ordinary parts of our life where the, our faith, like the rubber meets the road. 
here's what faith really looks like. Not a couple of dramatic moments with Jesus, but every day sitting at his feet. So what's happening at this dinner party? Martha has welcomed Jesus into her house. She wants to be a good host, and that makes sense. You have Jesus Christ at your table for dinner. So she wants to cook a good meal. She's busy, she's running around, she's cleaning, she's cooking, she's getting everything ready and prepared, and she thinks, where's Mary? Mary is supposed to be helping me. Mary should be helping me. And we all can look at this scene and be like, oh yeah, I know what she's feeling. Mary always does this. She drives me so crazy. Every time you need her, she's nowhere to be found. Carefree Mary. Everybody loves her. But this dinner's not going to make itself. Why do I always have to be the one in here in the kitchen getting stuff done? And there's Mary sitting around. Can you feel what, what Martha is feeling? She's probably in the kitchen with her knife and she's cutting those carrots and she's just fuming. And that's the surface of the story. And it's, it's almost comical, it's so familiar, right? We have all been in that moment. On the surface, she looks busy, but good busy. Productive, helpful, getting things done. People probably said, wow, Martha, she is high capacity. Martha really knows how to get things done. Martha, how do you do it? But underneath her busyness, in her service, in her doing everything for everybody else, there is more going on. The story invites us to go deeper, to peel back the layers of what's going on with Martha. It's not just that she's busy and frustrated with her carefree sister. Jesus loves Martha, and there's a lot more that he wants to do in her life. He wants to peel back the layers behind the busyness and begin to heal some of the things going on under the surface. So in this text, I want to do two, two things this afternoon. First, I want to show that there is a surprising problem, and I want to show its weighty consequences. Second, I want to see that there is a weighty invitation with surprising benefits. So first, a surprising problem and its weighty consequences. Notice in this text how Martha is described. Here she is, running around crazy, working, serving, and the text doesn't say what you would expect it to say. If one of you came to me and was like, oh, I've been you know, busy, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm running there, I'm running here, you'd probably say, and I am so tired. I am exhausted, I am overwhelmed, I am stressed out. But that's not what the text says. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Not tired, distracted. Martha's problem is not that she was tired from, tired from doing too much, but that she was distracted from doing the wrong things. So often, I ask people how they're doing. You know, walking around church, how you doing? The, the most common answer I get is good, but tired. Good but a little overwhelmed, good, a little stressed out. 
But Martha gives us something else to think about. What if our problem is not that we are tired, giving too much energy to the wrong things, but that we are distracted, not giving enough energy to the right things? Right? What if we're, we're feeling the way that we're feeling, not because we're giving too much, but actually that we're giving too little to the wrong thing, I mean, to the right thing? What if a bunch of good things have taken the place of the essential thing? The text tells us that Martha felt dragged away. The word in the text is distracted. Martha is distracted. It's the only time in the Bible that this Greek word is used. It's the passive tense, and it literally means to be dragged away. And that is what distractions do. They drag us away from actually giving attention to what is most important. In fact, there was a form of torture used in the Middle Ages. Um, they only used it for the worst type of criminals. They'd tie a rope to each of the person's limbs, and they tie the other's end of the rope to a horse, and then they send the horses away. And you know what they call that in French? Distraction. It was a picture of what the word means, right? That would be to be pulled apart. It's very likely that many of our spiritual problems are not rooted in even unbelief, but they're rooted in distraction. It's not that you don't have good intentions. It's not that you don't love Jesus. It's not that you don't want to follow Jesus. It's not that you don't want to be with Jesus. It's just that many other good things have crowded Jesus out. And that's Martha. What are the consequences when we do this? Look with me. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. So not only did she feel dragged away, distracted, she also felt pulled apart. First, Jesus says, Martha, I see your anxiety. The, the word anxious literally means to be torn into pieces to be torn in pieces in many directions, to be pulled apart. You see, Martha thought that all of her doing, all that her serving, would actually uh, be able to control her circumstances, right? That she would be able to feel safe and secure in command because she was doing all the things and getting it all done. But the exact opposite was happening. She was being pulled apart. And we know this feeling well. Anxiety and distraction reinforce each other. The more distracted you are, the more anxious you feel. And the more anxious you feel, the more distracted you are. You're anxious. You're like, I just need to calm down. You grab your phone. Jump on Instagram, jump on Netflix, jump on TikTok, jump on YouTube, jump on whatever, whatever it is, ESPN. I just need to distract myself from the reality that is causing me anxiety. We sit on the couch for an hour, and we get up, and how do we feel? More anxious. It's a cycle, right? Anxiety and distraction. Martha, you've given your attention to many things, Jesus says. Probably good things, but they are tearing you apart. So she felt drawn away. She felt pulled apart. She felt tossed along. 
Jesus says, I see that you are upset. I see that you are troubled. And this is another really vivid word picture. The picture here is of a boat with no rudder, no engine, and no anchor, just being tossed along by the current, being swept away by the waves, not moving in any direction intentionally, not actually going where you're trying to go, not actually fulfilling the goals that you, that you have set, but just being tossed by the whims of others and whatever the circumstances throw at you. Anybody feel like that? Right, you're like, I don't even know if I'm making real choices. I just feel tossed. Feel tossed, my kid had this issue, I'm tossed over here. My boss had this issue, boom, I'm tossed over here. Weather's bad, toss me over there. But that's not all. She felt dragged away, she felt pulled apart, she felt tossed along, and she felt all alone. In the midst of Martha's distraction and busyness, she immediately starts blaming others. Did you notice this? She actually blames two people in one sentence, one of them being Jesus. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve all alone? Tell her to help me first. Lord, hello, why don't you care? Have you forgotten me? Hello, Martha in the kitchen trying to make you dinner. Hello, don't you see? And Mary, how dare you? You left me. My own sister abandoned me. I am out here all alone. Does anyone notice? Does anyone see me? Does anyone care? It reminded me of something I read in, uh, by Dr. Kurt Thompson. He said this, suffering involves my perception that I'm alone with my pain. Suffering is a direct function of the degree to which I am isolated with my pain. And you can see the narrative that Martha is spinning in her mind. Yes, I feel dragged away. Yes, I feel pulled apart. Yes, I feel tossed along. Yes, I feel all this inner turmoil. But uh, what makes it all worse is that I'm alone. Jesus, you've forgotten about me. Mary, you have forgotten about me. No one sees, no one is with me. And now we begin to see the full picture of what's going on with Martha. It's not just busyness. There's anxiety. There's trouble in her heart. There's loneliness. All these things brewing in her soul. I wonder if that's you this afternoon. As I read the text this week, I couldn't help but wonder if this is just it describes modern people so perfectly. We're busy. We got lots to do. What is fueling that busyness? Probably our anxiety. We feel troubled in our soul, upset, tossed along, alone. And what, so what do we do? What do we do if we, we look at Martha and we say, that's me. I am Martha. I live in a Martha world and I am being swept along. What do we do? Second, we see a weighty invitation and its surprising benefits. How does Jesus respond to Martha? This is fascinating. Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. 
First, he calls her by name twice. Doubling of her name indicates an intensity of feeling. He's beginning her, his comment with a sympathetic, compassionate, personal greeting. Martha, Martha, I know you don't think anybody sees you. I know you don't think anybody cares, but Martha, I see you, and I care. I care about you more than you can imagine, but I just have to tell you, you focus on the many things, but I need to invite you to the one thing, the one thing that is necessary. You have to make the choice. He says the same thing to us. Where are you going to give your attention? Are you going to be pulled apart by the many things and dragged out to sea by the many things, or are you gonna remain anchored in the one thing? Jesus is inviting Martha, and he's inviting you, and he's inviting me today to a feast. Notice the way he words it. He says Mary has chosen the good portion Martha, what if the most important meal is not the one that you are making in the kitchen, but the one that I will provide? Mary is listening. Mary is dialed in. Mary has slowed down to linger like she's enjoying a good meal, the good portion. See, Mary knew something that Martha couldn't grasp. The most important meal was not the one to be prepared in the kitchen. The best meal, the most nourishing, the most satisfying was being with Jesus, the bread of life. And nothing was going to keep Mary from that. No distraction was going to drag her away from being with Jesus. You think, you know, that's why they don't have um, high-end steaks at fast food restaurants. Like, McDonald's is not like, promotion, $50 ribeye, right? Like, a, a good steak is meant to be savored and enjoyed. You're meant to slow down and linger over its goodness. You don't go through the drive-thru, like, let me get that ribeye. You know, you're passing the fries back to the kid. You got one hand on the steering wheel. You got your ribeye in the other hand just on the road eating, no, it's silly, right? Because you slow down to enjoy a good steak. And that's what Jesus is saying to Martha. Um, look, at, look, you gotta slow down. Mary has chosen the good portion. Reminds me of what the psalmist says in Psalm 16. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. Verse 11, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You see what the psalmist is saying? I have to make a choice. And if I'm going to make a choice, I'm going with the Lord who's, in whose presence is pleasure and joy forevermore. He is my portion He's the real joy. He's the real satisfaction. He's the one that's actually going to bring fulfillment to my soul. For Martha, the many things were pulling her apart. For Mary, the one thing was holding her together. 
For Martha, she was being swept away by the many things. Mary was being anchored by the one thing. Martha felt all alone. Mary was enjoying rich relationship with Jesus. This invitation is an invitation to the feast. And the picture of the feast is that there is real peace in the midst of the craziness of life. If anxiety in the New Testament comes from the word being pulled apart, peace is the opposite of that. It is single-mindedness. It is focus. It's rather than being scattered and fragmented all over the place, I am singularly focused on the one thing. And as I'm focused on the one thing, that thing is bringing peace to my soul. Peace is finding the one thing that is able to hold all the fragmented pieces of our lives together. The, per, the um, progression of Martha would, went something like this. Many things, we get the many things, right? It's the kids, it's the car payment, it's the, the, the overbearing boss, it's the annoying neighbor, it's the thousands of concerns and cares that weigh in on our hearts every single day, the many things. The many things led to distractions, just being dragged in every different direction. The distraction leads, leads to anxiety, being pulled apart. The anxiety leads to busyness. People look at my life and they don't see a peaceful person. They don't see someone who um, is centered on Jesus. They see someone running around like a chicken with their head cut off. But what if Jesus wants something different for us? What if instead of starting with the many things, Jesus starts with the one thing and that's him? Being with Jesus, the big rock in our schedule, the one necessary thing, the one feast that we have to have every single day. We start with the one thing. The one thing brings focus. Sure, I have plenty of responsibilities that I still have, but I am going to first and foremost focus on the one thing, and as I focus on the one thing, I have peace. I'm not dragged every different way. I'm not pulled apart. I am actually centered on Christ, and I'm letting Christ then guide the rest of my life. And as I I have one thing that brings me focus, which brings me peace, I then can move into meaningful work, right? I'm not not going to prove myself to everybody. I'm not running around crazy trying to calm my soul and my anxiety. I'm able to bring my full self to my calling and do it for the glory of God because Christ is my anchor, And you say, okay, that sounds good. How do I do that? How do I make that choice? How do we have a merry heart in the craziness of our Martha world? That's the real question, right? I I describe Martha and everybody's like, yeah, oh yeah, I get Martha. But how do we be like Mary when our world is like Martha? Well, the first question we have to ask ourselves is this. Where is our focus Are we being pulled apart and missing the main thing? If we are, we have to evaluate what is actually getting our attention, what is getting our energy. We have to pay attention to what we're paying attention to. What are those things that are pulling us apart? You see, for Martha, it wasn't that she didn't love Jesus. 
It wasn't that she didn't want to be with Jesus. It was just that good things push Jesus to the side. And so we need to ask the question, what are the good things that are crowding out Jesus from being the main thing? Are we keeping Jesus at the center of our day? Do you know how to listen to him? Do you know how to be with him? What would it look like for you to read a bit of God's word before you picked up your phone every day? You're like, whoa, too much. <laughs> but, but seriously, most of us roll over, grab our phones, and start our day. The very first thing entering our minds and in our, in our hearts is the anxiety from our world. It's that news update. It's that email that came in in the middle of the night. It's that alert that pops up, and all of a sudden, your mind is racing on the many things. But what if we just said, no, I'm actually going to push that aside just for an hour, just for 20 minutes, and I want to grab God's word, and I want to center my day on the words of God. Just listen. What would it look like to come to him in prayer before you get pulled apart by the demands of the day? What would it look like instead of immediately jumping out and your anxiety start running and thinking of all the things you gotta do and all the things on your schedule and all the people you gotta talk to and all the things that are burdening you, what if you just roll out of bed and land on your knees? And man, you're, you're like, I don't know what to say so early in the morning. You say, God, here I am. I want you to be at the center I want this to be about you. I'm just giving you my mind and my heart. I want to be anchored in you. I want to remember you. I want to follow you. I want to walk with you. I want to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Help me. Traditionally, people have called these spiritual disciplines. And they are disciplines, right? They're, they're habits that we have to form. But in the scriptures, they are more than that. They're not just discipline. They're delight. It is saying yes to the feast. It's saying, yes, I want the good portion. Yes, I have lots of responsibility, but first and foremost, I am going to feast on Christ today in his goodness, his grace, his love, his mercy, his power, the Holy Spirit that fills me. Yes to all of that. You see, Martha understood duty. Mary understood delight. And that's the aim of our following Jesus. It's real joy. Not just following Jesus out of obligation, I have to, but out of love, I want to. I get to. How amazing. I got to wake up this morning as a son of the living God, a daughter of the living God. I get to follow him. I get to love him. I want him to be at the center the very famous Westminster Confession states it this way. What is the chief end of man? What is the ultimate purpose of human beings on planet Earth? They said, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Do you enjoy God? Or is he like a duty? Or is he more like a box that you check? Or a, a doctrine that you ascribe to? Dallas Willard says it this way. The aim and substance of spiritual life is not fasting, prayer, hymn singing, frugal living, and so forth. Rather, it is the effective and full enjoyment 
of active love of God and humankind in all the daily rounds of normal existence where we are placed. Wow. The aim and substance of the spiritual life is the effective and full enjoyment of the active love of God. Does your faith look like that? If, if not, it might be because we're all Marthas and we haven't learned to be merry. We know how to do stuff for God, maybe. We know how to serve in the church. We know how to help our neighbor. We know how to do the church stuff, but do we know how to rest in Jesus' presence, receiving his love? And I know what you're thinking. Wait a minute. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Are you telling me that I should just sit around all day Read the Bible and pray and, you know, just do all this spiritual stuff. Is that what you're saying? Because, listen, I have a job. <laughs> like, I have real responsibilities. I have a family. I have things I have to do. I have people who are depending on me. I have bills that I have to pay. Sure, I'd love to sit around all day and read the Bible. It's probably what you do, which I, I don't, but I'd love to do that. But come on, let's be real. That's not the point Jesus is making. The point is not sit around all day in prayer, though that would be great. If you have the chance, you should. The point is that focusing on the one thing actually enables you to do all the other things in a new way. Putting first things first enables you to fulfill all your other responsibilities with a new type of joy and power. That's what Jesus is trying to say. Not sit around all day, but take the moment, take the time, take the priority of being with Jesus and let that be the fuel that sends you out to do everything else that you are called to do. So that is our focus. Second question, what is our posture? The text says that Mary sits at Jesus' feet. This is a, uh, sitting at someone's feet had a very specific meaning in Jesus' day. If you were sitting at someone's feet, it meant that you were under their authority. She has a posture that is appropriate when you're coming before the God of the universe. It's a posture that says, you are in charge. Your word goes. You're king. You are Lord. You are God. And I am not. So I'm not only just listening, but I'm following. I'm not only hearing, but I'm obeying. And if God, you are in charge, then I don't get to pick and choose the parts I like about you and the parts that I don't. The parts of your word that I like and the parts that I don't. You're the king. And I'm going to follow. See, that's Mary's posture sitting at the Lord's feet. And that needs to be our posture, to sit at Jesus' feet. You are the authority. You are the king. And what a gift that I get to be in your presence as a child. You see, that's what the gospel does for us. It enables us to sit at Jesus' feet. Now, now we know that those feet are nail-scarred. Because what it took for us to be able to get into Jesus' presence, for us to get back to him, was more than just an invitation. It was Jesus himself living the life that we should have lived. It was Jesus taking our sin upon the cross, paying in full 
And it was Jesus rising from the dead. And that's when the invitation came. Come and sit at my feet. Why? I've, I've cleared the way. There's no obstacle. There's no barrier. The veil has been torn in two, and now you just come. The problem is so often we don't. We're like Martha, and the many good things keep us from the one thing that Jesus is inviting us to enjoy, his presence. One day we're going to be in eternity with him, and we're going to enjoy him in full. The feast will be in full, but he's inviting us not for then. He's inviting us right for now. You're like, but we live in New York. This place is crazy. It's busy. How much more then do we have to sit at his feet in quiet? So I wonder this afternoon as we begin to pray and as we begin to respond, what are the many things that have been distracting you? How can you make the one thing your priority as we move into a new year? Let's pray together. Father, we do give you thanks and praise for this story. And God, we wanna be like Mary. We wanna have the heart of Mary sitting at your feet, listening, obeying, receiving, loving. That's who we want to be. Mary's in a Martha world. God, I pray that we would be that type of presence in our communities, in our homes, in our workplaces. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.